This is the last day. This is the um, this is the grown up day because uh, we're going to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, um, this whole series of stories about Abraham, and I'm just going to go through it real quickly. Abraham comes out of Egypt. His people are fighting with Lot's people. He lets Lot take the easy pit for grazing. Carries all his people on up north to keep the peace. God appears to him and says, good job. Here are my promises to you. Next story. Lot's down near Sodom. We're going to pick up on Lot down near Sodom today. And these kings come down and conquer. And they take a bunch of people prisoner, including Lot and his family, and they, they loot the cities. And Abraham and his buddies go and, and beat them and get those people back. And he not only delivers the people, but he also returns all the loot without taking any for himself. And God and gets blessed by Melchizedek. And God appears and says, great job. Here's some promises. Okay. Um, and by the way, you're Abraham now. Right? Okay, so he's Abraham now. And, um, I, and I need you to get circumcised because that's going to be the mark of our covenant. Okay, and then, according to some rabbinical text, three days later, and that's what we did last week, these three strangers are, are walking through his camp, and um, if you remember, Abraham runs out to greet them. He bows down to them, says, please come into my tent and eat a meal. Then he goes and selects the calf. He goes to Sarah and says, make some bread, and then he serves the meal to them, standing and waiting on them, right? Well, it turns out they're not just three guys, okay? Um, this, act, this event's mentioned all through the Bible. Uh, we looked at the closing of Hebrews where it says, be kind of strangers because some have entertained angels unaware, plainly a reference back to this event, but also a reference to this moral act because one of them is God, some aspect of God. And the other two are angels, which don't get all caught up in the medieval like guys with swords and all that. I mean, we see angels that look like that. The angel just means messengers or servants of, of God, okay? Um, but they're probably not human because uh, they do some miraculous things in the next story. Um, and one of them's God, and uh, he says, you're going to have this son, right? And then they're getting up to leave, and God says to the angels that are with him, this is my guy Abraham who shows my righteousness to all the people. We need to tell him what we're getting ready to do. And he says, Abraham, we're going to destroy Sodom. It's wicked. And Abraham knows that Lot is in Sodom. And so he gets into the, well, God, what if there are 50 righteous people? You going to destroy it then? God says, no. And he works him all the way down to what? Ten, right? The rabbis say because he didn't want to go to eight because God destroyed the world for when there were only eight righteous people left and he doesn't want Sodom destroyed, right? So he stops at 10. He figures he's pressed his luck long enough. I don't know. I wasn't there. but um, And God says, okay, for 10 righteous people, I'll, say, I'll spare the city. And so um, that's where we leave Abram. Now, so we've got three examples of righteousness, sacrifice for family, Sacrifice for those in need and don't take financial advantage of them. 
right? And then be kind to strangers. Show hospitality. Yes? Yes? Do we all agree with this? Because these are vignettes about Abraham showing his, what God says. Abraham is the one who shows righteousness to our righteousness to others. Yes? Okay. So now we've got these people going to, to Sodom. Now, next slide. No pictures. You want to know why there's no pictures? Because there's only two kinds of pictures of Sodom and Gomorrah. There's angry people trying to get into Lot's house. And there's the whole place burning. You can go later and get pictures of like Lot's wife turning into salt. But we all know those parts of the story. Yes? Does everyone in here know the Sodom and Gomorrah story? I'm just making sure because I don't want to make us, you know, we have this coaching saying about assumptions and I, it's not appropriate for a, for a Sunday morning class, but it is somewhat folksy true. Yes? I don't want to make an assumption here <clears throat> that everyone knows the Sodom and Gomorrah story. Everyone knows basically the Sodom and Gomorrah story. Yes, we've all had it in Sunday school. If nothing else, just from common culture, you've heard the Sodom and Gomorrah story. Sodom's a wicked place. God's going to nuke it. Yes? Okay. So we all know the general outline of the story. The question is, why? Why is it here in this, in this series of what is righteousness stories about Abraham? Okay, so I'm not, I'm not going to pre-slant that. I will say this. <clears throat> it's obviously a story that gets referenced a lot in Scripture. It made a lasting impression. It's a story that gets referenced a lot in modern day. This is something that happened to a Bronze Age culture. Yeah. And, and it's a story that has reverberated down through history. So it's certainly a story that makes a big impression. The question is, what is the story trying to tell us here about righteousness or maybe some, the contrast to it, okay? Now, I'm going to ask you this. I'm not trying to slant it, but we all, the big bear that's sitting in the room, okay? We've all heard this, this story, and what is the big sin that people have attributed to this story? Homosexuality. Thank you. This is grown-up day, so we can say things like homosexuality, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. You know what I'm saying. We, we have to be able to talk like grown-ups. Yes? Okay? All right? Okay. So, I mean, we all knew that. I, I don't feel like I'm slanting the page any. We all have heard that said. Yes? Okay. Now, again, we're going to read this story. It's Genesis 19, so be dialing that up. Uh, because if you're like me, you're on either Bible Gateway or version or something like that, okay? When, there, there wasn't a rule against that until the covenant, the law. Well, okay, so I mean, I want to have this discussion, but let's read the story first, and then let's have the, I mean, that's good. Start the discussion early, okay? Because, look, y'all, I'm not, I'm not the all-knowing scribe, okay? And, and frankly, um, the, <laughs> if you look historically at interpretations of this, the interpretations of this have changed as you go through history, like what was the big sin, okay? Uh, so I don't know that we'll come to a definite conclusion here.
I'm just going to toss that out there. Okay, here we go. Uh, who wants to read? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so chapter 19 is actually in my uh, Bible entitled "The Doom of Sodom." Is that what it, is that what the heading is for y'all? Something like that. Mine says, "God rescue Lot." Oh, I like that. The more positive uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, read verses 1 through 11, anybody. 19, 1 through 11. That evening the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Lot was sitting there, and when he saw them, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guest for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. Oh no, they replied, we'll just spend the night out here in the city square. But Lot insisted. So at last they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread made without yeast, and they ate. But before they retired for the night, all of the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to, the, to Lot, we, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. So Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers, today, don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two vir virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do with them as you wish. But please, leave these men alone, for they are my guests and under my protection. <coughs> Stand back, they shouted. This fellow from the town is an outsider. Now he's acting like our judge. We'll treat you far worse than those other men. And they lunged toward Lot to break down the door. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, and bolted the door. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house. So they gave up trying to get inside. Okay. Now. Look back at the first two verses. It's a setup to the story. <coughs> Remember the last thing that Abraham said with God, and God said to Abraham, If you find ten righteous people, will you spare the city? And God says, Yes. If I find ten righteous, we'll spare the city. All right? Read. Somebody, somebody tell me what you see in the first two or three verses. Just like Abraham, it's a dead parallel from the last chapter. He sees strangers coming along. What does he do? Uh, yeah, he runs out to greet them, just like Abraham. Bows his head down on the ground before them, just like Abraham. Yeah? <laughs> I would say, based on this set of stories, it's the primary trait we should have, but that's my opinion, okay? But see if, see if this isn't a contrast. Would you agree that this is a parallel to what Abraham did when he saw the strangers? Yes? Almost exactly the same words, yeah? It says, come into, our, come into my house. Let me fix a meal, wash your feet, spend the night. Yeah? And then say, nope, we'll just sit out in the public square. It's, it's fascinating to me, you know, 
that they say that. Now, we find out later these are angels. They're probably not in any real physical danger, okay? Okay? But they're, I, think, I think they're there to judge the city, which it does for itself. What happens once Lot has them in this house? And who is they? All of the men in the city. Wait a minute. The very old men? Yes? Yeah? Now, we're going to be grown-ups here. Very old men. A lot of sex? A lot of sex drive? Really? Very old men? I'm not talking about 50-year-old men. I'm talking about very, look, what was, what was, remember Sarah in the last story? What was she laughing about when God said, you're going to have a son? Sarah starts laughing. She's complaining about <laughs> Abram. Yeah, she says, I'm, I'm withered and dried up, and Abraham doesn't ever sleep with me anymore because we're both old. That's what she literally says in Hebrew. Right? Mm -hmm. Yes? This specifically says, all the men, young and old, it, what the original language tends to imply is all the males of the city, which would include boys. I'm just tossing that out there. Okay, so the, basically the whole city empties out into a mob. Comes to Lot's house, and this mob says what? Okay, so that was NIV, Carol? Uh, NLT. NLT, okay. Um, the NASB, which is a little more literal than other translations, uses what the, like, actually uses like a transliteration of the language. Not transliteration, but more of a direct. And it says, bring them out that we may know them. Y'all have heard that. The King James tends to say, we may know too. Okay? That's what the Hebrew there means. But it's know in an intimate sense. And in most places in the Bible, it means sexually. It means to know completely, even in a sexual way. Okay, I'm just telling you that. So, so there is a sexual element to this, yes? But there's also a know completely who someone is, know all their secrets kind of element to this, okay? Um, the same stuff is used sometimes when God says, I know your hearts. It, and it doesn't mean sexually. It just means I know everything about you, Okay? And Lot goes out to try and reason with him. Somebody read that little part where Lot goes out. It's one verse. It's um, six. Oh, it's two. Six and seven. Somebody read six and seven real quick. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Okay, and now, when Lot says my friends, does he mean it? I heard a sermon on this once. I said, Lot's just using this. He doesn't, they're not really his friends. Really? Has he lived with these people for years? Did he just go through captivity with them? Are these his friends? Yeah. They are. 
probably some of the people living in Sodom are the people that he brought with him when he left Abraham. We don't know that. The Scripture doesn't say that, but he, he brought with him four or 500 people. There's a good chance he's known some of these people all his life. Yes? So when he says, don't do this evil thing, friends, he's not, it's not, I mean, he means friends. And what do they do? Well, look what they do to Lot. They try and grab Lot. You miss that because it, it says, and they surge toward him. And, but you get it because the angels have to actually reach out and grab him and pull him back to safety. Yeah. Right. He went, I mean, he, yes. He's been in captivity with them, and they're like, you're lying. You're protecting these, and, right? Now, this is a large group of people who are out of control. What do we call large groups of people who are out of control? We call them mobs. This is a violent mob. Have we seen that this year? These are angry, scared people in a violent mob. And when you get enough angry, scared people together, they do things bad to people. People die. People with babies in the car get their car jumped on and pounded. And Yes, we've all seen this on the news all year long that when angry, scared people get together in large, angry, scared groups, they become violent mobs. That's what this is. This is not an invitation to a sex party. Yes, I'm not saying that they don't plan to rape, but I mean, they're going to rape anybody they can get their hands on, including Lot, who is probably an elder of the city because he was sitting at the gate like an elder. Okay? Um, I don't want to get into the whole cultural thing about offering the daughters. That's horrible to us, okay? I, we can talk about that if you want to. That's a whole separate discussion. But basically, Lot put himself in danger first, and, and he, he is obligated culturally to protect these two men, even if it means everybody in the house dies. That's still the culture in the Middle East. It's a culture in Afghanistan. If a village takes you in in Afghanistan, the whole village is obligated to protect you to the death. Okay? And so Lot basically puts himself out there. The angels pull him back in. Now he's going to offer whatever he can to protect these men, and up to and including, I think, everyone in the house dying to protect them. Okay? But I, whether that's okay for us or not, I, that's a completely different cultural thing. Um, so that's, I mean, that's it. Now, you guys know what happens after this, right? I don't want to shortchange the story. Yes, the angels strike them all blind. And then they say to Lot, okay, we've decided we're destroying the city. Get your people out and don't look back. And so Lot and his family flee. And there's the famous, his wife looks back, which, which could actually mean in the language she turned back to go back to the city, we don't know, okay? Whatever, she ends up dying, okay? 
Let's look at a parallel. You ready? Here we go. Somebody go to Judges 19. It's right after Joshua. What does your title on the chapter say there? Okay. So, um, it starts out like this. Now, it came about in these days there was no king in Israel that, uh, that there was, and then there was a certain Levite had a concubine. Okay? Now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to set the story up. The Levite and, the concubine, and his concubine, that's, that's lesser wife. Okay? So, this is his second or third or fourth wife, not the wife who's bearing his heirs, are traveling together. I, again, we've talked about this, right? That's not necessarily a violation of even the Mosaical law. Okay. And they come to a town near Jerusalem and they are looking for shelter. Does that sound familiar? Yes? Um, and so if you look in, uh, he thinks he'll be safe in Israel. So he travels on until it's almost nighttime to get to this Israeli town. Um, so a servant that's with him says, please turn in, let's find some shelter. Um, I'm just trying, so they get to this city called uh, Gibeah, which is near Jerusalem, okay? It's in the territory of the tribe of Benjamin. Y'all remember the 12 tribes? Yes. Um, it's, so it's a Benjamite city, okay? People who live there are all from the tribe of Benjamin. So they go in. I'm, at, I'm in verse 16 now. Um, no one offers them shelter until an old man comes in out of the field. And then he says, come in and wash your feet. And, right? Okay. Um, I'm just trying to skip to the... Okay. So look at verse 22. They're eating and washing and basically eating a meal together. It says celebrating. Somebody read verses uh, 22 and 23. Hasty, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till Wait, wait, wait. Is that Judges 19, 22? Yes, sir. Maybe I'm in the wrong place. Mine starts out with, while they were celebrating, behold, the men of the city, certain worthless men. Judges. Yeah. So, anyone got Judges 19? Does that sound familiar? Have you ever read this story? They can't keep getting away with this. Except this is Israel. This is after they come out of Egypt, settled the land of Canaan. This is the tribe of Benjamin. You remember Joseph's little brother who he loved? Yeah? This is an Israeli town. This, this guy, this Levite, left where he was and came back into Israel because he thought the sounds would be safe. Yeah. 
I'm going to tell you how this story goes. You ready? The owner of the house does send the concubine and one of his daughters out, and they gang rape them all night, and the concubine dies. Is this the one where she gets trumped up? So the Levite takes her body and cuts her into 12 pieces and sends messengers to all of the tribes and says, this is what happened. They raise an army of 400,000 and come in, in a series of battle, raise the town. Look, I'm just, again, remember numbers may or may not be exactly accurate, right? Okay? It's hard, it's hard to count 400,000, you know, but, but a lot. And they have this series of battles that end up raising the town. I mean, they, they kill every cattle, every, I mean, everybody, right? <clears throat> so, it, I mean, they rape this woman to death. You think it was about the sex? Or was this a violent crowd? I'm just asking. Okay. Um, moving on. So, pause. Okay. Wickedness can happen. Yes. Okay. So, we're still let stuck with the question, you know, the whole Sodom and Gomorrah thing. What made them so wicked that God nuked them? Yeah? By the way, the Israelites raise the army and do the nuking here. Yes, God doesn't have to kill it with fire. They, they kill everything. Yes? And, and I'll tell you this, Benjamin, who was always allied with Judah, ceases to be like its own tribe at this point. Like, it just becomes Judah. Like the remnants are not mentioned much anymore after this. Okay? So it's kind of the end of the tribe of Benjamin. All right, Isaiah 3, 4 through 9. Somebody read those for us. Well, I just completely lost my place. Let's start. I will make boys their leaders and toddlers their rulers. Yes, yep, that one. Through nine. In those days, a man will say to his brother, Since you have a coat, you be our leader. Take charge of this heap of ruins. But he will reply, No, I can't help. I don't have any extra food or clothes. Don't put me in charge. For Jerusalem will stumble and Judah will fall because they speak out against the Lord and refuse to obey him. They provoke him to his face. The very look on their faces gives them away. They display their sin like the people of Sodom, and they don't even try to hide it. They are doomed. They have brought destruction upon themselves. Remember, Isaiah is preaching to Judah after Israel's been destroyed. Is that right, Isaiah? Yeah, pretty sure. And here's what he has to say about them. And I find it fascinating where he starts. And you can look back at the very beginning of the chapter. But in verse 4, he starts with, um, I'll make mere boys their leaders and mischievous children will rule over them. In other words, they don't have any leaders, right? Their leaders are horrible, so I'll, they're like children. And the people will be oppressed, each one by the other. 
What does that mean? Okay, let me give you the literal, I mean, the, they'll take advantage of each other. Does that sound like echoes from, like a contrast to Abraham's righteousness stories? And the people will take advantage of each other. And the young will assault the old. And the contemptible person will assault the honored person. And a man will fight, lays hold of his brother in his father's house. In other words, people will assault their siblings, right? For material stuff, cloaks. Everybody seeing this? Yes? Okay. And then he says, uh, by their faces, did y'all catch that? Their speech, their actions, the expression of their faces testifies against them. That, that's a flowery way of saying you're haughty and proud about these horrible things that are going on. Yeah? And what's going to happen? God's going to destroy them. Just like who? Okay, let's go to the next one. Isaiah 13, 9 through 11. We're, we're working hard here. <laughs> See, the day of the Lord is coming, the terrible day of His fury and fierce anger. The land will be made desolate, and all the sinners destroyed with it. The heavens will be black above them, the stars will give no light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will provide no light. I, the Lord, will punish the world for its evil, and the wicked for their sin. I will crush the arrogance of the proud, and humble the pride of the mighty. I will make the people scarcer than gold, more rare than the fine gold of Ophir. For I will shake the heavens, the earth will move from its place, when the Lord of the heavens' armies displays his wrath in the day of his fierce anger. Okay. All right. And uh, 19 and 20 is the punchline. Did you read that? I didn't. I was. No. Okay. Read 19 and 20 now for the punchline. Babylon, the most glorious of kingdoms, the flower of Chaldean pride, will be devastated like Sodom and Gomorrah when God destroyed them. Babylon yep. will never be inhabited again. It will remain empty for generation after generation. Nomads will refuse to camp there, and shepherds will not bed down their sheep. I will totally destroy them. Why? It's in 9 through 11. Um, I'm going to exterminate the sinners. Um, I'm going to punish them for their evil, their wicked wrongdoing. I will also put an end to the audacity of the proud and humiliate the arrogance of tyrants. Okay, moving on. Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah is right after Isaiah. Remember, these are prophets generally prophesying doom in these things. But look at the characteristics of the people that God is declaring doom on because they're getting compared to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Okay. All right. Jeremiah 23, 9 through 14. Anybody? Concerning the prophets, my heart is broken within me. All my bones tremble. I am like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord and His holy word. The land is full of adulterers because, they're, because of the curse. The land lies parched, and the passages in the desert are with the prophets all on evil force, and use the power unjustly. Both prophet and priests are godless. Even in my 
on sinful upon their wickedness, declares the Lord. Therefore their path will become slippery, and they will be banished to darkness. And there will fall and bring disaster on them, and here they are punished, declares the Lord. Among the prophets of Samaria I saw this repulsive thing. They prophesied by Baal and led my people Israel astray. And among the prophets of Israel I have seen something horrible. They commit adultery and live a lie. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns from his wickedness. They are like Sodom to me. The people of Jerusalem are like the more. Okay, let me run through the list of things. He's talking about prophets and priests here, the religious leaders of the land. And he says, among the prophets of Jerusalem, I've seen a horrible thing, the committing of adultery and walking in deceit. They, they strengthen the hands of evildoers. In other words, they take the side of the people who are doing evil, right? Um, and so no one turns from their wickedness. They're like Sodom to me. The people of Jerusalem are like Gomorrah, okay? All right, now... Ezekiel and Amos, it's, it's, I, you can read it for time's sake. But all the prophets have a similar thing. And it goes something like this. You're taking advantage of those who are poor. You're assaulting each other. You're committing adultery against me by going to pagan gods and just adultery. You're doing all these wicked things to each other. I don't care who you are, you're Sodom. Yes? All right, now, the last one is these two are parallel. So, so uh, these two are parallel, okay? So, they're about, I'm going to tell you what they are because you know the story. Jesus sends out the 12. Yeah? And he tells them, don't take anything with you but a change of clothes. And when you go into town, what are you supposed to do? Do you remember this story? Maybe we ought to read it. We're kind of. Yeah, they're supposed to go, like, he sends out the 12, and he says, go into a town and find a righteous person who will take you in. Does that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Yes? And he says a fascinating thing in both these accounts, Matthew and Luke. He says, if no one will take you in, shake the dust off your sandals and go to the next town, it will be worse for those cities in the day of judgment than it was for... Ah, even Jesus as a rabbi, makes a parallel to certain behaviors in Sodom and Gomorrah. Just saying. Okay? Um, and then 2 Peter 2, 6 through 9. Okay? We can read that real quick. Anybody? God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man and he was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you look back in the first part of that, he's talking about false prophets, Peter is. He's saying these false prophets will come and they will talk about angels in disrespectful ways, and they know what they're doing is, is wrong. They're doing it out of greed to take advantage of you. But they're going to do it anyway, and you need to be aware of them. They're like the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, and God will destroy them. Okay? 
What do you think? What was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah? That's one of them. That's certainly mentioned several times. Right? Wicked. The complete opposite of love. Right? Yeah? Does it include a sexual component in the story? Yes, it does. It does. And I'm going to say, I just have to say this. Homosexuality is plainly listed as something God doesn't like. Okay? Right along in the old law with being disrespectful to parent. They're both death penalty sins in the old law, by the way. A disrespectful child is to be stoned. Okay? And I'm not saying they're equivalent in any way. I'm just saying there are a lot of things that are listed. I mean, and Jesus himself says, here's what true righteousness looks like. Here's what the law allows. Good thing God is gracious. But the thing about Sodom and Gomorrah is they're so wicked that God destroys them. And it has a lot to do with, yeah, I mean, look at what Lot and Abraham did with strangers. And then right away you get this contrast with an angry mob that wants to rape and maybe kill the strangers. Yes? And then you get that other story about the Benjamites. You could even say that Sodom and Gomorrah may have had a reason to be suspicious of strangers. They just got back from being conquered and captured. Maybe they think they're spies. It's not an excuse. Okay? And they were wicked in other ways. Okay? Um, I don't know. Here's what I would say. What we can get from the Abraham story is this. Abraham showed God's righteousness. God says it. This is Abraham who shows my righteousness to the people. By the way, that's a contrast to Noah who was righteous, seemed to not have any influence with the people around him. I don't know if you've thought about that. Okay. How did Abraham, and, and, and in this class about how do we witness, don't we want to know how to witness to people better? Noah was a righteous man. He just wasn't a great witness. Abraham's a great witness. God rewards him every time. Sacrifice to keep your family together. It's important. If you can't, if you can't bring yourself to sacrifice your family, who are you ever going to sacrifice for? Help the helpless, even if it puts you out. Never take advantage of people who are disadvantaged. Show hospitality to strangers. You never know. You might be entertaining angels and not know it. What's the contrast? Don't be like Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't be suspicious of pain. Don't withhold hospitality. Don't get angry because people need help. Um, for what it's worth, you're a better witness if you're like Abraham. I would contend if you want to be a real witness for the Lord, the hospitality thing is probably the keystone there. I, I don't know. I would contend that that rings all the way through Scripture, including with Jesus. Just saying. I don't know if you've thought about it this way, but Jesus is continually going to towns and being taken into people's houses. He lives off people's hospitalities during His ministry.
Yes. And those people are the people that we know, like Mary and Martha and Lazarus, right? And yes? Okay. What do y'all think? Yes. Yes. Um, street corner preachers don't work very well. I'm not saying that those men aren't brave or passionate. It, it just doesn't work very well sometimes. But you feed somebody who needs feeding, they might be more apt to listen to what you say. Um, I'll say this. Y'all are going to be shocked by this without you know. What, what is the largest group of Christians in the world? The, let me say this. I don't want to get into that theological discussion. The largest group of people who are traditionally Christian in the world. I'm not talking about any particular denomination, okay? Which, oh, let me say it this way. Which denomination is the biggest group? Of, what's the biggest denomination? Baptist. No, they're not even close. African no, Catholic. it's Catholics. It's Catholic. And number two is Eastern, is the Eastern Orthodox, which is the Eastern Catholic Church. Yeah? Between the two of them, they have 1.4 billion members all over the world. Yes? They don't send out missionaries. Never have. You know what they do? They build missions. And you know what they build them for? Yes. They take care of the communities they're in. They don't preach at all to them. Y'all know Mother Teresa? Where did she work? At a mission in India that helped the dregs of Indian society. Her whole life she worked there. Do you think those people are more likely to be converted to Christ by that? or by people going, and I'm not, y'all, my, some of my best friends are missionaries. I'm not saying we shouldn't send missionaries. I'm saying maybe if we want to witness to people, we ought to focus on the hospitality and taking care of needs first. Several missionaries we send out are doctors. Yes. People yes. That's where they meet their needs first. Yes. We, we've slowly learned our lesson. From the 1800s when we used to just sell ships to the Polynesian Islands and preach to them. Yes, not us, but I mean Christian groups in general. Um, and if, if, if you want to have influence with people who are your friends, treat them like your friends, treat them like your family. Just saying. Um, I think that's the lesson for us, maybe. Um, hospitality is huge. Yeah? All right, hey, we're out of time. Um, it's a big thing down here in the South, hospitality is. Yes, and... I think, I think it's actually true anywhere. I mean, think about it. If you're a homeless person who's never known God and someone takes you in and feeds you, you're certainly, I'm not saying homeless people, but y'all understand what I'm saying. Yeah. You're certainly more likely to hear what they have to say than someone who just accosts you on the street. Yeah? Also, God destroys nations who get to that point. I just, I just wanted to toss that out there. Isaiah goes on to talk about I'm destroying you not because of this, this, and this, but because you oppress the poor. You don't help those in need because they're still doing their sacrifices. But he says, your sacrifices stink to me. 
um, they don't have that nice smell that they should because you're these kind of people. Um, so I'm going to destroy you. So anyway, for what it's worth, also the wealthier the people get, the more they tend to get like that. These Benjamites, if you want to read the story, are near Jerusalem. They're in a lush land. They're very wealthy. Think about that with our society. So what kind of happens to them eventually? They get killed. The rest of Israel wipes them out. Eradicated. Yes. Man, woman, child, cattle, goats, and chickens. So they're, they're a point where there were no Benjamins. To... Well, that whole city, which was probably the main city, 25,000 people is what the scriptures say. Well, 25,000 soldiers plus the rest of the city. So it was a major place, right? Um, okay, look, we're past. Sorry. Uh, yeah, look, so it's worthy of study, I think, for what that's worth, and it applies to us today. Um, you know, be, be kind. Um, help the helpless. Don't take advantage of people when they're down. Okay? I'm telling y'all, so when you all grown up and make lots of money, that didn't come out right. Let me try that again. Let me reset that in my brain. When you are grown up and are making lots of money, you won't become that person, right? You'll be generous and kind and helpful. Okay, got it. Anything else? Comments, questions? Yeah, happy to do it. Okay. All right, y'all have a great week. We will... Uh, I'll see you next week, but it'll be... Who's teaching next week?